When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Halloween, and thanks again for joining us for another episode in the OC Office Hour. Today's episode is on trick plays, and it's one I'm pulling from the archives in year one of the podcast, where we sat down all season long with Terry Shea, former college and pro coach. And in this particular one, we discuss all aspects of trick plays. I know it's one you will enjoy. I'll put some links to other episodes on trick plays, as well as some resources in the show notes. So enjoy this one with Coach Terry Shea. Today's topic is going to be trick plays and how to get them into your offense, as well as some thoughts on how to defend those. So, Coach Shea, it's great to have you here and uh, talking about this topic. Oh, that, that's great, Keith. I know when I was coaching at Rutgers, uh, we needed every trick play we could uh, find uh, to, to balance up the field. So I'm looking forward to today's discussion. Coach, trick plays... Um, you know, it's something we, we usually see. You could see a ton of these during the bowl season. And, and I don't know if it's because teams have more time to uh, to practice those with, the you know, usually the length of time between the last game and, and, and their bowl game. Um, but we'll see a lot of neat things, a lot of creative things during the bowl season. I know for high schools, as you go on uh, deeper into the season – and you're facing tougher and tougher opponents, you're, you're always looking for that one thing that can get you an edge. And a lot of time, it's these special plays or trick plays uh, that can help a team get an edge. What are your thoughts on, first of all, why we see so many of those things during college bowl season, but also how does a trick play give you an edge in a game? Well, I reflect back to uh, uh, the, the real special plays that seem to work, you know, when you needed them the most. And it, it normally... Uh, was a reflection of the fact that you spent several weeks preparing that particular play. So I, I think when you install a trick play or a special play into your offense, uh, you should give it several weeks for it to evolve, uh, for the players to start to feel the, you know, the, the the small details of the play, and and by then I think it's ready to to be called and executed. So consequently, I think that's where you find Keith. Uh, the bowl game preparation, you know, there's so many days I can remember being in several bowls when I coached at Stanford and San Jose state. And we had just an inordinate amount of number of days that uh, we, we could just kind of really lay the wood onto to things that uh, we normally wouldn't have time to, to cover. And I think that's, that's the opportunity you have in, in a, in a bowl game. And, and I think coaches put special plays in, uh, and particularly in a bowl situation or a playoff situation where, you know, you, you tell the players, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun on this trip. We're going to have fun on this bowl event. And the special play kind of adds to that theme, and I think that's why you see it. Coach, let's start with a little bit of, of philosophy behind those specials or those trick plays. And um, just thinking about how you want to present those to your players. Uh, what I've always 
tried to emphasize to our players is that every play we run is designed to get at least four plays. So, you know, if it's a play um, where we're running the ball and we get, you know, we get four yards out of it, we're happy. If it's a play where we're passing the ball and we get a plus 10, we're happy. So that I think as you, you use these plays and sometimes they're successful, sometimes they're not, that the players don't have any, I guess, false expectations that this is a play that's going to save them or automatically be a touchdown and that there's not a letdown if it doesn't go the way they plan. Boy, that's a great point, Keith. I know, uh, for example, you put in a simple reverse play and you make sure you convince your ball carrier that four yards is a plus. It's a positive play. And um, not to try to make, you know, uh, alphabet soup out of no no soup at all. And, and so... Consequently, you, you really hammer that point across your offensive players that four yards is a positive on a run play. And as you mentioned, uh, if you're the throw of the football on a special play, it would be um, uh, even more so around that 10-yard area. But, you know, I, I was very cautious when I put in a, uh, a special play, and I, I made sure I labeled it as such. I didn't, I didn't lean toward calling it a trick play because I didn't want to – our offensive players to feel like we were resorting to something that, you know, we had to trick our opponent uh, with. And so consequently the special play category was, was something that uh, you had every week and uh, you just, you know, started to add to that special category. And consequently now you had say three or four different special plays that you could choose from, from one week to the next. So, um, that's why I chose to use that phrase rather than, uh, you know, gimmick plays or special plays, or I mean, I should say trick plays. I always lean toward the special play category. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction for your players. And again, a lot of the mentality behind the game that we're here to out execute our opponent. We're not here to trick them. And I think, I don't know what it is in their mentality as they're, they're growing up, but they think that, Football is a lot of, of trickery, you know, that you're just trying to trick your opponent and get them unexpectedly, where a lot of times when we look at what we're trying to do on offense, it's about execution. Um, I can remember a time when, you know, my players, uh, this is when I was a high school coach, came off the sideline and said, Coach, on every play they're shouting out, you know, watch the stretch, watch watch the inside zone. I said, well, geez, it's a good thing they didn't say watch the naked or we wouldn't have many many plays left to call, would we? Uh, and then I had to calm them down and say, I don't care if they – you guys tell them we're running the play. They have to stop us. We're there to out-execute them. We're not there to trick them. So I think that's a, an important distinction as you add a trick play is this isn't about trickery. It's it's obviously what you're doing um, within this play and in the way you set it up is designed to get the, the opponent out of position. It's designed to get them to react a certain way that it's going to open up another area of defense, which is – which you go back to with execution and the plays that you sequence together anyway. Certainly. You know, um, an, uh, there's another aspect of, of making sure your special plays are, are well executed, and that is how, how you practice them. And uh, oftentimes you can, you know, if you have three or four special plays in your, in your play box, you, you can sometimes take just half of your offense, for example, maybe just, the perimeter players. And I used to do this. Uh, I remember coaching uh, for the Chicago bears in the NFL and, and I would keep just the perimeter players out maybe uh, once a week 
after practice, and we would go through the last play of the game. And it wasn't just a Hail Mary. It was a, it was a very special play. So uh, you don't need the rest of the offense sometimes to practice these particular plays. And, and that, that allows you to get more reps, and the timing is better. And, uh, you know, you don't uh, keep the, the big guys out there uh, more so than they should be just standing around kind of using up their energy. So it's, it's very important that a coach process this and, and understand that, hey, I could practice 75% of my special plays without the offensive line. And uh, that lends itself to much, much better preparation and better execution. I think you bring up an important point there. In, in not having to u- utilize the offensive line to, to practice those things, uh, the biggest key is that if you could keep it within your schemes, in your blocking schemes, um, it's a much better play than if you have to create a special blocking scheme for it because now you really, you know, you can practice um, all the ball handling separately. You could keep those guys out and get a lot of reps with just the ball handling, but it, it's much more difficult when you have to change a blocking scheme and do some things with those guys. Now, you might have to do something on a reverse where one of those guys will, will peel around and, and protect that reverse, um, you know, or, or potentially if it's a, a screen, double, double pass with a screen out on the edge, maybe you have to utilize the guy moving. But, again, trying to keep the moving parts uh, with the offensive line as little or, you know, none, if possible, I think is a good uh, strategy. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. I, I know, uh, for example, game situations sometimes bring up the special play. Uh, if you're a play caller or an offensive coordinator, what play do you have in your, in your uh, call sheet or in your call box that um, will allow you to win a game on the last play of the game when you're out of range for a Hail Mary? And uh, so you, you have to have that kind of a play prepared when you're on your own 30-yard line and, and there's two seconds left in the game. Uh, you know, and, and if you can put in a protection that your offensive line feels very comfortable with, then you can practice the, you know, the nuances and the details of the play uh, again and again and again without the offensive line having to, you know, use their energy. So uh, those are good points, Keith. I think, Coach, too, what you need to look at is the components of the ball handling. For example, um, you know, a, a double pass – which might give like a, initially a smokescreen look um, out on the edge where we're getting a ball to a receiver who's, who's stepped back and then he's either throwing it back the other way, maybe the quarterback, back out of the backfield, something like that. Um, that type of play, for example, if I'm going to throw the ball, make my first pass to the right and throw to a, a receiver who's stepping back off the line, in order for him to uh, succeed, successfully execute the play I most likely want that guy to be a a lefty if I'm throwing it to him on the right because now he could catch the ball and you know he's he's still not going to have a lot of time even if you block with one guy for him on a screen he you don't want him to have to flip his hips to make the pass you want him to catch the ball set his feet and throw and vice versa if I had a righty who had to execute that second pass I would want to make sure that my first pass was going to the left so he could catch the ball and already be open to, to the field to throw the football. Oh, that's, that's, that's what you call good detail. And uh, to eliminate the flip of the hips by a passer uh, in this situation is, is uh, going in the right direction. 
You know, and another aspect, and I love your detail, Keith, but another aspect of, of uh, creating a special play is making sure you have the personnel to pull it off and to execute it. And I would always find myself watching the receivers uh, every chance I had in terms of how they threw the ball back in uh, in a group situation or, or, you know, just seeing what kind of arms I had on the outside with those wide receivers, because a lot of times those receivers are baseball players and you you can find a guy that can, can really, um, you know, master the the skill of throwing a football uh, on a special play. So, it's important that a coach keeps his eyes very alert to find who can handle the ball, who can throw the ball, and um, who, who's really good with, you know, ball skills. And, and sometimes that lends itself to creating several different special plays. Yeah, I, uh, guys, you know, would always know that uh, I, liked, I liked to have a special play. So they were always trying to show off to me what they could do, which is a good thing. Like, hey, coach, watch me throw this pass. Or, hey, coach, watch this jump pass. We should put this in. And, and you know, as those guys start to show those things, it gives you ideas. So when they can show off their skills a little bit, um, like you said, whether it's just doing some things like throwing the ball back, uh, you know, after after they've run a route or, um, you know, some of those things, I think it's an important thing. You, you want to look for those opportunities. You want to look for some of those additional skill sets out of, well, he's just a receiver because can he throw the ball? How is he at, you know, maybe coming around on a reverse and throwing the ball on the run? So many things you got to look at, but uh, also opportunities for the offense. Oh, definitely. And and as a play caller, you, you, want, to, you want to try to make sure that when you make that call for a, for a special play, uh, the game situation allows you uh, some, some comfort zone. I remember uh, Bill Walsh once told me the story about when he was coaching the 49ers and uh, it was fourth down on the plus two yard line going in for a, the winning score. And he flipped the ball to the halfback and the halfback uh, threw a, you know, an option pass and threw it out of the back of the end zone. And uh, the press jumped all over coach Walsh after the game and said, why would you take the ball out of your quarterback's hands and put it into a running back's hands on fourth down? And he said, you know, in retrospect, he learned a great deal about that play call. So, um, you know, if, if coaches like that can learn, uh, I'm sure our, our coaching audience can appreciate the fact that, boy, you want to make sure the game situation uh, allows you another down or allows you a chance to overcome a, a, a poorly executed special play. Yeah, and I think that's the, the next section I would like to – delve into here is is uh having the knack for calling those plays um and when are you going to call them and i think just like any other part of our offense if you can give your players an idea of when and where on the field you might use that play uh it's it's gonna again number one take that that uh factor of oh geez you know coaches is, is trying to do something he thinks we got to go outside of what we normally do to beat them um it puts it in the framework of this was a this was something we had planned you know, it was just like a shot play. Okay, we were going to plan it here. A lot of times what I would like to do was to include those somewhere in my openers, usually not too early because I think um, early in, in the first few plays of a game, teams are alert for anything. But as you start to settle in and you're getting into maybe your your eighth or your tenth play um, where, you know, you, you've had your offense on the field for a little bit, defense is settling into what they're doing that you could catch them off guard a little bit and, and have the opportunity to execute that play. 
Yes, and and inserting them into your opening calls is, is a a great way to kind of make sure that you you have an offense that's um, a little bit more relaxed, and consequently they they anticipate it coming, and and you've got a, a great chance for success. I know uh, there's another component that coaches must uh, always think about, and that is sometimes special plays are are an evolution of of uh, something you do offensively that you do it very well and you know that teams are going to try to stop you. And so you put in a compliment to that, which is a special play that uh, breaks down that, you know, that tendency. But w- what you want to make sure you don't commit is that, is that false call where you, you, you make a call knowing that the defense um, uh, understands that this is one of your favorite plays, like a typical let's say, an outside pitch play, and uh, you know that going into the game, they're ready to stop that. But you want to show them that play at least one more time until you trigger up the, the uh, special play that complements uh, one of those kind of series. So uh, it's important that um, you, you kind of, you know, throw the bait out there and see if the uh, defense will, will bite on it and then, and then come back with your counter which is your special play. So that's that's the timing of sometimes of how to call a special play. Yeah, most definitely. And I think you bring up a very important point is if you can incorporate that into your formation, um, your set of formations that you're using and that the other team is seeing, uh, there's no red flag initially because you lined up differently or uh, maybe you know look at your personnel group and you're able to do it without inserting a player. You know, sometimes that... Uh, that fresh jersey in the game or someone they haven't seen before, again, is is a red flag to them that something's going to happen here. Something's not right. Something's out of the norm. Oh, very much so. Especially when you insert that special player for your special play. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to set that up, and uh, you've got to get that player into the game before you before you trigger up your call. So uh, there's a lot that goes goes into making special plays work, but when they do. They can uh, help you turn a game around, or it can help you beat a team that has a little more talent than you do. And uh, that's why the special play is a, is a great equalizer when it comes to um, uh, putting yourself in a, into a game or, or winning a game against a team that's a little bit stronger than you are. And as, as uh, the play caller, one thing I really had evolved to, Coach, was um, – you know, before the game, I would always go up to the press box and have my own little rehearsal of, of openers, rehearsal of first call situations. And I would always work in there, too, and visualize where I wanted to, you know, get a special play into the game. So uh, maybe it was something that, hey, if I have the opportunity first quarter uh, and the ball ends up on uh, a particular hash and we're at this point on the field, I'm going to call this play. And I would kind of mentally take a snapshot of, of where the ball might be on the field. So when we ended up there, it was, you know, it's popping to my mind, I want to utilize this play. And interestingly enough, with that, uh, with that method, I had the opportunity to call a play um, while I was at Oberlin College and we were playing Wabash. Uh, and it ended up being like the number four trick play on ESPN uh, in 2015. And it was one of those things. I again, we ended up in that exact spot um, early in the game. You know, after a couple series, and uh, you know, it was a, a play that uh, obviously we scored on and, and went in the end zone. 
Um, but it was one of those things also I had prepared my team that this is something we're probably going to call if we hit this area of the field. You know, I didn't give them a particular down and distance or a time in the game, but I gave them an area on a field for that play. And that one worked out for us and obviously got us a, a little notoriety on ESPN as well. Well, it sure did. Uh, shoot, we should pull that up on YouTube and we should probably see it today. Yeah, we'll, we'll put you that know, one on the show notes, Coach. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, uh, an approach that I'd like to share with the coaching audience, and that is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a time that uh, really fits a special play call. And that, that set up, uh, oftentimes I think back, to when I had success, and that was after you're on offense and you put together a, a neat drive, uh, maybe an eight to ten play drive that may have resulted in in points, and all of a sudden you you kick off and the balls exchange and and there's a sudden takeaway or a turnover. All of a sudden you've got the ball back after you know 25 seconds of clock time, <clears throat> and the opponent now they've been on the field with their defense for. Uh, eight to 10, 12 plays trying to defend that initial drive. And now you come out and they're a little bit mentally tired. Uh, they're, they're not as alert as they were when they maybe started the game. So now you've got a great opportunity for a special play call. Uh, on the very first snap of the new possession, you've got the defense in a, in a fatigue situation mentally, and you've got a chance to really put another uh, a big score on the board. So um, when you're setting up a, a special play call, that that's a great opportunity if you can orchestrate, you know, a 10 to 12 play drive and then all of a sudden get a quick takeaway and now you've got a chance for a, a special play call. Um, there's, I'm sure there's other opportunities where you can, you know, muster up a, a special play call and, and that's certainly one of them. And coaches just have to, you know, the timing of the call, Keith, is so important mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, allowing your, your special play to, to be well executed and have success. Well, Coach, let's give the uh, other side of the ball some love here and, and talk about defending those types of plays and, and how you work those into, uh, you know, your player's thought process. Because a lot of times uh, you, you might not see those. You, you know, you might not have seen that play on film. Uh, maybe you saw somebody else do it. Maybe you saw it in your league, um, which is actually always a is, is something to look at because uh, a lot of times if uh, if a trick play shows up in, in your game film and your exchange is somewhere or somewhere else in the league, you know somebody might get the idea to use it. So uh, as a head coach, you know making sure your team was prepared in in uh, every phase. What types of things did you do to to help your team defend these kind of plays? Well, number one. Um, what you just mentioned about the possibility of borrowing a special play, uh, let's say team A is playing team B, but in the previous uh, week, team B played team C and team C had a very well designed special play. Sometimes team B will borrow that. And now all of a sudden team A has to defend it. So, uh, that's very common. And, uh, so it's good to, uh, have one of your staff members kind of go back and, and, and watch the game tapes that uh, might relate to that. But uh, one thing that, that I always try to do is um, uh, several days a week, you know, when you, it comes time for teamwork um, or, or sometimes even seven on seven, but I would always start out with the very first play of the script or, or of the drill and insert the special play that 
the opponent might might bring up against our defense. So that was always uh, and it always kept our our defensive guys really alert. You know, when all of a sudden the very first play of a drill and bang, it you know it, it's special play time, and that that kind of sets the tone for the week. And the other thing you really want to coach toward is oftentimes a special play will be shown by your opponent, but now you've got to make sure that your defense is ready for the complement to that special play. For example, maybe it was a double reverse, and now all of a sudden, hey, guys, this week you've got to defend not only the double reverse, but the potential of a double reverse pass. So you always add the other component to the special play to make sure your defense is ready uh, for the unexpected. And that's the way I, that's the way I approached it. And uh, uh, I wish I could say we batted a hundred percent, but uh, I can't say that. <laughs> well, I know in, in the past I've had, had my defenses do like a funky formation period. So, you know, you'll see those, the, the muddle huddle or, uh, you know, the swinging gate, the lonesome polecat, those kinds of things. We'd always prepare for those special formations. But, um, you know, as uh, I, I would always coordinate my offense as a head coach as well. And uh, we would always be sure to throw something at them that they hadn't seen before in terms of a special play, whether it was a reverse, a double handoff, um, those types of things just to make them alert. And, you know, the question would usually come up from that. They don't run that. Like, they might. You never know. Uh, there's no rules that prevent them from running this play. So um, I think, you know, just working those into your practice plan. And as as a team, you know, offensively, if you run those special plays, they do start get, getting used to seeing them. And a lot of times those don't work as well in practice as they will in a game because your team starts to get used to defending them. Certainly, yes. And, you know, another uh, opportunity that coaches sometimes overlook, and that is uh, the overtime period is such a unique part of the game now for both the college and the high school level, is that um, don't underestimate the the possibility of a special play being called in that particular phase of the game, the overtime period. So, you know, sometimes coaches are neglectful and not practicing uh, and putting their players in an overtime environment before they get to the actual game itself. So I encourage all the coaches. I know I did this in college. I, I would put our guys in an overtime practice period uh, several times during the course of training camp so that they, they got a feel about what it's like. And you'd be surprised, Keith, how many things come up in just an unscripted overtime practice period. Mm-hmm. And now your guys are, are ready to play that period when the, you know, when the chips are on the table, but um, to also incorporate every once in a while, if you, if you get into that kind of a period, spring a, a special play on your defense, just so they understand that this could very well happen in an actual game itself. Yeah, most definitely. And it's, it's something uh, I think is if you're constantly working in, your team will start to become a little bit more alert to uh, reading keys and doing things they're supposed to instead of just blindly or instinctually reacting. You want them, you want them to play um, with discipline and still, you know, I think a lot of these, if you play discipline defense, uh, you'll, you'll shut down those plays. Uh, you certainly will. And, uh, but my point being in the overtime period, sometimes the emotion of the game gets so revved up that um, you tend to lose some of that discipline 
that you'd like to think you, you know, that, that creates your, your defensive foundation. So, um, mm-hmm. again, it comes back, keep the game situations. And the more you practice all the different situations, uh, as it relates to the game and it relates to special plays, you've got a chance to really have a well-prepared football team. Definitely. Well, coach, let's wrap this up by, uh, each of us, uh, sharing, uh, one of our favorites as, as far as, uh, special plays go. I'll, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you think about it for a second. I'll share mine, which was actually our one that, uh, made the, the number four on ESPN's list of trick play top plays in, uh, top trick plays in 2015. So coach, we were on the, uh, uh, towards, uh, the right middle of the field and we put our tight end and a flanker to the right. We had a slot receiver and a, a split end to the left and we were in the pistol, uh, with our, our tailback, uh, sneaking up a little bit closer than he normally did. Um, so after everybody was set, my quarterback stepped up towards the line of scrimmage and shouted some, what you know was appearing to the defense to be some checks and audibles as he went down the line to his right, and as he got to the tackle, he said a code word. I can't remember what what the word was off the top of my head, but that code word was for the center to snap the ball back to that tailback who had kind of crept up there in the pistol. So the quarterback essentially, as he was going down the line, was actually in motion. Um, then what we did was we cleared our tight end and. Uh, the the flanker who were to the right, and he, he had taken kind of a, a, a minus split there, so he might have been seven. Those guys cleared and went all the way across to the left, leaving the quarterback alone, uh, fortunately, because the corner followed, a linebacker followed, the safety followed, and no one was left on that side of the field. Then the tailback, had, who had received the snap, started running to his left, and he flipped it back to the slot receiver who was coming around on what appeared to be a reverse. After he received the ball, he 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 uh, stayed on the run a little bit, and he was he was someone who could throw the ball. He was a baseball player for the college as well, so he could throw very well. And he hit the quarterback who was patient enough to let those guys clear on his side, and then you know continued up the sideline on a on kind of like a wheel route. And uh, caught the ball in the end zone for the touchdown. <laughs> well, boy, ESPN could have had you uh, narrating that that particular play for him. That that would have been exciting. Well, no wonder you. No wonder it made ESPN. Yeah. You know, um, I'm I'm going to pass on the special play uh, question, but I do want to leave a, a final thought with the coaches, and that is. Um, I remember when I was coaching my team at Rutgers and we had a bye week and I walked into a team meeting and I made sure that each player had uh, their notebook open or, or some, some kind of a writing pad with a, you know, with a pen or a pencil. And I said, today, guys, I want every player in this room, which was the entire team, to write up and to draw up their favorite special play that they've ever seen or been a, involved with or they've just uh uh seen on on a video replay and so i i had every player go through this exercise and it was uh, it was really worthwhile because i got a chance to uh kind of ignite some some football thinking from from each player um they felt like they they might have a chance to contribute if their play were selected and so each player went through the exercise, handed in their plays, 
And uh, lo and behold, two weeks later, we actually used one of those plays uh, <laughs> in a critical part of the game. But um, that that's a good exercise for the coaches to put their entire team through uh, or, or maybe the, the coaches will choose to just put their offense through it. It's a good thought process to bring uh, in front of your team. So that's an idea for the coaches out there, Keith. I love that idea. That's a great one. It gets some involvement from the players, and, and you get to see their football IQ a little bit too. So, Coach, this was a fun topic. I really enjoyed it today. I uh, look forward to talking with you next week on the game plan. My pleasure, Keith.